0: Hey, what's going on, chams? I'm Aaron Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast. My podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show. And thank you for supporting my dad.
1: And we are back, Immigrant Nation. New week, another new episode. At an Immigrant's Life on all the social media. Follow if you'd like. But something I'd like to do is... Thank you for listening every week. I don't know what's happening, but our numbers are doubling every week. And I want to thank you all for that. Let's continue to grow. And of course, the best way to grow is for you to help us out, share the podcast to your friends and family online or offline. Now, let's talk about the episode. This week's guest is a real-life beauty queen that is not just all beauty and brains, but also uses her heart to help and impact other people's lives. She's an amazing woman, and you'll soon find out soon enough. So, without further ado, let's get into the show. Today's guest is an actress, a model, and a philanthropist. A woman of valor that is as beautiful as a flame lily. Everyone, please welcome Yolanda Chimbarami.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That was such an amazing introduction.
1: <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. I, it's my signature for the podcast. I always like having uh-huh. this elaborate introduction to the guest. And it like I always make sure that it's connected to their culture and what they right, like.
0: Right, right, right. I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: I, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
1: Before we move on, why don't you tell the immigrant nation where they can reach you?
0: Sure. Um, You can follow me on all the social media platforms at Yolanda Shimbarami. I will spell my first and last name. It's at Y-O-L-L-A-N-D-A. And the last name is C-H-I-M-B-A-R-A-M-I.
1: Mm, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> so, take us back to Zimbabwe. Which part of Zimbabwe where are you from?
0: So, uh, I am from the capital city, which is uh, Harare. Mm-hmm.
1: What does yeah. that mean, Harare?
0: It means the city that never sleeps. New York, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, for the African version of New York. <laughs> What kind of
1: community did you grow up in Harare?
0: Um, A very small community, to say. In as much as my parents are very outgoing, they're also very uh, overprotective um, when it comes to whom we hang out with or whom we allow in our spaces. So my mom always made sure to lock the gate and throw away the keys whenever (laughs) she gets the opportunity to. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Why are they very protective like that?
0: I think it was mostly because of the line of business that my parents are into and also where we stayed. We stayed on a farm where your neighbor is literally kilometers away. So if you get kidnapped or raped, like, you know. <laughs> but
1: you live in a city.
0: Um, not in the city. I mean it's 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 in the outskirts actually. My mm. parents is a farm. Yeah, my parents do have a farm just outside the city.
1: What do they farm?
0: Um they do a lot of stuff. Uh, my mom does um agriculture and then my dad is into kettle, like uh, the meat industry.
1: Mm. So how yeah. was that growing up in the farm? Were you forced to work in the farm?
0: No. So actually, there were two farms. Um, There was one where we actually stayed there. We didn't. It was mostly just uh, subsistence farming just for my family. And then commercial farming was at the bigger place where they also had the business. But growing up, no, my mom never used to imply on us working um, at the farm. It was optional, actually, or whenever she felt like she needed help. But the space was so big that she always needed help. So, yeah, we always had people come through. Wow.
1: Mm -hmm. Spoiled brat over here.
0: Not even. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. I wish. That would have been nice. My mom is a very typical African woman. You know, Mm -hmm. you wake up, you spread your bed, you make breakfast for everyone. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. growing up, we had a helper. But as we were approaching our teens age, my mom was like, no helper, you ladies have to wake up early and do the chores. So she made sure that we woke up and made breakfast for everybody, did the dishes and yeah, organized our rooms, spread the bed, did a little bit of sweeping, especially during the weekends. So yeah, I wish I was spoiled, but no.
1: (laughs) How many siblings do you have?
0: Cool. We are about seven in my family.
1: Mom and dad got (laughs) busy.
0: They were fruitful and they multiplied. Hey,
1: (laughs) my God, seven. That must be like a crazy household.
0: Uh, Oh, yes and no. Simply because when some of my siblings were older, they moved Mm. out of the house and then some were in boarding school so at times there would be three or two kids at home so yeah Hmm. so was it a comfortable life mm-hmm. yes it was very comfortable my parents did their best and they're still doing their best to provide whatever they can for us mm-hmm. yes which i really really love and i admire
1: were you close to the school that you have to go to or you have to walk like 300 kilometers
0: Oh my god, I feel like my dad would be excited for this question. You know, because most of the times he's like, guys, sit down, let me tell you. We used to walk 10 kilometers to school, so stop complaining about ABCD. We had it in a very tough friend, which is like okay, <laughs> you know, but um my school was not too far, it was a 45 minute drive depending on the traffic that was the closest school to my house so depending on the traffic so yeah 45. The
1: first...
0: <laughs> yeah 45 minutes and sometimes on this traffic it can take you an hour to get to school
1: oh my god you yeah. know it's funny i've been talking to obviously i've been talking to immigrants right and they're yeah. like oh i moved to canada and i have to drive for like an hour and i'll be like that's a long drive i'm like what are you talking about? Where I'm from is like three hours every day.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh
1: my God, exactly. man! How's yeah. Zimbabwe now? How's the How's the economy? Is it improving?
0: Um, I would have loved to say yes, but unfortunately, no. Our inflation rate keeps spiking. Actually, um, I was reading a, an article yesterday. Um, economically, I mean. There's a lot that needs to be done, you know. Hmm. But in terms of infrastructure and investors, I feel like we are at a better position than we were five, 10 years ago.
1: Hmm. I saw that one Canadian dollar is equals to 280 plus Zimbabwe dollars.
0: <laughs> yes. So exchange rate is quite crazy. <laughs> like, How do you buy like
1: a bag of coffee, I guess? Let's say what you bring like a a box of money? Like, that's insane.
0: <laughs> well, that was mostly back then in 2018 when we had high deflation, you know, so sometimes you would literally just need like a brick of money in order for you to pay for your transportation from your house to town. And then when you're coming back from town, going home, you probably need two or three bricks. And then tomorrow we're... 10 bricks and you know like Where that's did how you put them? yeah those are my like usually used to carry just bricks of money you know backpacks and be like yeah <laughs> you know but that was back in 2018 now things are getting better they're not the best i mean they're getting better so we're currently using the zimbabwean bond knot alongside the american us dollar
1: so you don't yeah. have to carry a brick
0: no no so that you don't have to carry a brick. <laughs> and i <also, laughs> with technology too, you know like people are starting to use e-wallets and they're a lot more comfortable sending money through e-wallets so yeah you don't have to to carry a huge backpack
1: <laughs> i'm still on the idea of you have to carry these bricks of money
0: <laughs> yeah that could barely buy a lot of bread yeah that's Beans
1: insane
0: I know, I know, I know. Like, I always tell my friends that, hey, you better be nice because at some point in my life, I was a trillionaire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess so. Like, every day you're a trillionaire.
0: Yeah, you know, and I sold them the $1 trillion bill, and everyone's just like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm rich like that. That's nuts, man. Bills, we had trillion dollar bills. It was, yeah, it was a whole mixture. It was a whole bag. We've been through it
1: (laughs) That's crazy, man. Yeah. So... Interesting enough, I was doing some research about you and apparently you're like the youngest finalist for Miss Zimbabwe.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: How was that? Like, how did you get into that uh, gig?
0: Um, very interesting story, actually. So growing up, I was very shy. I did not have as much confidence in myself as I have right now. So in primary school, it was very difficult for me to make friends. So I'd always sit in my little corner, grab my sketch pad, start drawing or sketching, start visualizing outfits and houses, you know, until to a point where I got so comfortable in my own little corner. And it was really, really bad. And then in junior school, when I was in fourth grade, uh, some lady came into our school and they introduced the modeling club. So I was like, oh, you know what? This sounds pretty interesting. Why not give it a try? Because whenever I would come across people, they're just like, oh, you're so tall. You should probably try modeling. You know, so yeah, when that opportunity presented itself, I was like, sure, why not give it a shot? So um, I did attend the training, loved it. And fortunate enough, they hosted Miss Tinwald Primary School that year in my junior school. Mm-hmm. And I started, so then I was like, oh, wow, girl, you can actually walk in front of people, you know, like <laughs> confidence that boosting. And then I went on to high school. Unfortunately, in my high school, we did not have modeling club and also the arts in my school was still growing. So I kind of just shoved it to the side. And then when I wrote my o levels. I had I took a gap year because I didn't know what I wanted to study. So within that gap year, I tried on another pageant, which is Miss Harare Junior. Yeah, mm. so I took part in Miss Harare. At first, my mom was really skeptical, you know, because there are a lot of stories that are around the modeling industry, especially in Zimbabwe, mm. you know. But it's just like, what do you need? Okay, let's go. Let's get it. Okay, give this a shot, you know, like literally, like three, two days before the page, and I didn't have a dress, I didn't have a costume. My dad was like, okay, what do you need? You need a dress? Okay, let's go get it. You need this? Okay, let's go, let's get it, you know. And then, fortunate enough, I won the pageant that year became Miss Sarah Jr., and that was a stepping stone in my career. It opened so many doors. I got to talk to a lot of people, attended so many events. I got so comfortable being in front of the camera and behind the camera too. And then the following year I was like, Oh, well, there's me, Sorry Junior. I mean, there's Miss me, Zimbabwe coming in. So why not give it a shot? And I went there, gave it a shot, made it through the audition process, made it to the boot camp, went to boot camp. Honestly, it was tough. Like the boot camp was tough. What do they do in boot camp? So you're taught to walk, you're taught to talk, to sit, how to be a model, how to be yourself, how to embrace who you are, you know, and also you learn a lot more about your country, about the history of your country. Because once you become a Zimbabwe, you're not just Yolanda, but you're a representative, you're Zimbabwe, you mm. represent, you have to be knowledgeable about your country, about where you come from, about your roots. So we took all those classes to actually know um, where training and then we also had uh, fitness training. So our days are like this. Every day we'd wake up at five or six a.m. in the morning, uh, go for a fitness class for two, three hours, just depending on the day. Sometimes they would make us run and then warm up and it was intense and then have Zumba, you know, so it was intense. And then after that, we go back to the hotel, we'd quickly shower, put on our makeup, put on our heels, dress up. Go to the office, train where, you know, heels were walking, train for the whole day up until like lunchtime, then go for lunch, come back, train again or have our ed kit class or history class or whatever it was or makeup class that day. And then after that, you keep training until around 11 p.m. or 12 midnight or even 1 a.m. sometimes just depending on the day and after that you go to bed but there are also some days when we got the chance to actually travel and see the historical sites that are in Zimbabwe I know one of the trips we actually came to the Heroes Acre hmm. in your background and <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we traveled to Victoria Falls. We went to a gold mine. We just learned a lot about the resources that are surrounding us. So yeah, it was really hard. I mean, we we had to be in heels for like sometimes ten hours plus a day. Yeah, even when so- you're
1: doing Zumba. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no no when you're doing zumba <laughs> oh you're doing zumba you know yeah so like a, a week actually before the page and like our legs were swollen and we, whenever we we yeah <laughs> our legs are really swollen um they could barely fit our shoes sometimes or so we had to elevate them when we go to bed You know, <laughs> like warm water you know but it was it was intense but to be honest i I enjoyed the experience, you know, Mm -hmm. because it made me a better version of myself. I became more aware of myself and my my surroundings as well. So yeah, then the final pageant happened, final day. Unfortunately, I did not make it to the top eight, but I was in the top 16, walked on the final stage. And yeah, I would not take that experience for granted. Mm I learned a lot and it opened a lot more doors of opportunities for me. not only in the modeling industry, but in the arts industry. Mm.
1: During the boot camp, is it covered by the government or who's paying for the logistics of it?
0: So it was not the government. There was a license holder, like in my country. So she took care of all the expenses. Like everything was covered, our food. We stayed in a hotel for about three weeks and everything was covered. Um, Even on the final day, the costumes that we put on, the makeup, the hair, everything was covered. So all we had to do was just to come be ourselves or be the best version of ourselves and scoop the crown. Wow, that's crazy. Was it televised on TV? Yes, it was. It was. It was. I mean, it was It was a very prestigious event. So they had to um, air it on TV. They even went live on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I
1: guess... Beauty Corners is big in uh, Zimbabwe?
0: It's growing. You know, mm. growing. Yeah, um, the Philippines, you guys definitely have a bigger pageant in industry. And you guys are amazing, to be honest. We cannot take that away from you. Mm. Uh, Philippines and South Africa, you know, Zimbabwe is still growing. I know just recently, we just recently got the Miss National license, you know, and now they're working towards getting the Miss Universe license as well. So, yeah, because the Miss Universe in 2001, actually, that was the first and last representative we had from Zimbabwe. So since then, we've not been able to acquire the license up until now, but hopefully soon. What kind of license do you need? So you get it from the Miss World Organization or the Miss Universe Organization. So Miss Universe Organization, they have headquarters in New York. And then the Miss World, I think they should be in the U.K., so they just give you permission to hold the contest and then they also give you like terms and conditions and things that you have to follow it's more or less like buying a franchise Mm, Okay. so they kind of tell you what to look out for i mean you can always twist and and alter it to your um to your preference but they kind of just give you just a scoop of what exactly you're looking for
1: was there like a high limit for the models or the contestants
0: Um, So, actually, I participated in Miss Zimbabwe twice, when I was 16 and when I was 21. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was 16, yes, they were a bit strict when it comes to your weight and your height. Um, Yeah, I remember being measured in boot camp, but when I was 21, they were not as strict because now the modeling industry is more acceptive of um, different... um, shapes and body sizes which i think is such an amazing initiative because height is not something that you can buy you know like it's it's god given mm-hmm. and i think it should be a platform where we embrace our bodies embrace our differences and who we are as women and men
1: mm-hmm. so you're pro inclusive beauty contest yes mm-hmm. yes that's that's, inst- that's interesting Were there there like things that you're not allowed to do or have while you're competing?
0: Um, You're not allowed to be married. Yeah. It's
1: Miss Zimbabwe. (laughs) It's not Mrs. Zimbabwe.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So you should all be married during the time. And also you should not have any form of nude pictures or things that would eventually compromise you getting the title that are out there in the media. You should just have a clean profile because once you become such a prominent figure, you're an inspiration to a lot of young girls and boys out there. So you would not want to encourage them to have things like um, nude pictures or inappropriate pictures or videos circulating.
1: Mm-hmm. I read about that Miss Zimbabwe, two of them had nude photos and they had been stripped by it. Mm-hmm. So what happened when they strip you? Do they take away back your, the money and what, whatever or just the crown?
0: Um, I'm not quite sure like what exactly they will demand back. But I know for sure that they will take the crown back.
1: Mm-hmm. And you yeah. obviously cannot compete anymore.
0: Yeah, you can compete at either Miss Universe or Miss World.
1: You won so much awards. Which one is the one that you hold close to your heart?
0: Oh, good question. Um, there are actually two that I think I hold close to my heart. Um, the first one would be the I in when I was still in high school, my last year of high school, I got a trophy from the Indian Embassy to Zimbabwe for, um, there was an art award. So the topic was Mahatma Gandhi and we had to be creative and come up with pieces that were centered around Mahatma Gandhi. Yes, and I remember seeing my fellow art um, friends and peers drawing and painting. And I just thought to myself that I, I, I wanted to do something different. So I molded faces. I molded a face of Mahatma Gandhi um, using—I um, forgot the name—but they use it when they're um, when they're making plasters.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: yeah. So I molded a face of him, and then I also used recyclable objects to make faces of other people that represented his followers. So these objects were a combination of. Bottle cabs, things that are new, things that are old, you know, and this, and it showed that, um, in as much as Mahatma Gandhi made so much waves back then, he's still very influential now. So, hence, whatever new object that i used in the project that's that's what it represented it represented it represented the now and then the old stuff represented the later and also there are all different colors and shapes meaning that he has managed to bring the whole world together i mean if you talk of mahatma gandhi be it in south africa and the philippines and mongolia like everybody knows it
1: you hmm. know
0: because he's such a prominent figure so, all the different colors just represented that, hey, he made waves, like, in the universe. <laughs> yeah, he
1: did. Uh, but, I mean, there was yeah. the one thing that he said something about black man, but we'll not talk about that.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Remember, do you know this?
0: Yes, I do know. I do, <laughs> but, <laughs> I do know, but uh, I appreciate the good works and the deeds that he mm-hmm. did,
1: mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and
0: like, he has has
1: flows. <laughs> no, also know. by the by the way, later a few a few I believe like a year yet later or whatever, he he admitted that it was wrong, what he said. Yeah.
0: Yes, he did. And I think that's very powerful when such an influential leader comes back to apologize. When they actually notice that they did, like they made a mistake, they actually hurt a lot of people and they still had the audacity to come back and apologize. You know, that means a lot about leadership. So, yeah, that's one award that I hold close to my heart. uh, The one that I got from the um, Indian ambassador to Zimbabwe. And then the second one was the charity project of the year. Uh, my very first charity project of the year award from the uh, Zimbabwe Models Association that was in 2015, you know, because I love helping people. I love seeing people reach their maximum potential. So being recognized as somebody who is making a difference in the community really meant a lot. I remember even crying (laughs) when I got the award, you know, because I just thought of, Um, All the projects that we had worked on, you know, and just the thought of, oh, wow, like people are actually appreciating the works that we've been doing Mm. was amazing. So, yeah. That's amazing.
1: Is that the one that helped a child save a nation?
0: Yes, yes, yes. So Mm. that gave birth to Help a Child Save a Nation. Um, This is an organization that Brian, Zawi and I started in 2013 and we're still running up until now. We have worked on a lot of projects. Mm. We have hosted a candlelight dinner in memorial of kids that died of HIV and AIDS. We have hosted a My Shoes campaign where we donated um, shoes to different homes we have hosted a my book campaign where we collected books and distributed them, clothes and all. But right now, what we're mostly focusing on is the education campaign, which is called the Million Kids to School campaign. Million Kids because our dream is to at least cater for the educational needs of a million kids. Not only in Zimbabwe, but in Africa because education is is so important. You know, yeah.
1: Mm, Yeah, for sure. Education is like it's really the key to improve hmm. a country like Zimbabwe, Philippines and whatever else, you know, like improve yeah. the community.
0: That is so, so true. That is so true. And, you know, most of the inspiration also comes from my dad. Like um, my dad does not have a high school certificate, right? Neither does he have a university degree because he dropped out of school when he was still in seventh grade. Uh, because my granddad had died then. So he had to take care of all his siblings, you know. But he had a dream of of being his own boss. And he worked so hard to build an empire with, the, with no education, you know. And because of that, like, I see him. He's always been my motivation. You know, he has taken my mom to school, like, in an old age, made sure that All his kids were educated. And now I see the vision that he had because everybody in my family is now working towards improving the family business and they're also working towards improving their lives in whatever professions that they're working with. I see the the importance of education as a whole. So, yeah, he's just been my greatest inspiration.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. You did some modeling in Zimbabwe or...
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So um, modeling started in Zimbabwe, pageantry and commercial modeling as well. And then in 2017, I was selected to represent Zimbabwe at the World Championships of Performing Arts, where I took part in modeling and I scooped a gold medal for my country. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, and then eventually you moved to Canada and started exploring more into the film industry and also uh, commercial modeling.
1: Why did you move to Canada? Was there a family member here or?
0: No, so it was mostly for education. I am an economist by profession. Yes, Mm. mostly for education.
1: Why did you choose Manitoba?
0: I know, I know. You know what? <laughs> if I tell you, like every winter, I keep asking myself, why, why Manitoba, Of all the places? Because I remember when I was applying for school, I got accepted in the UK, in Cyprus and in Canada, you know, UK, my aunt stayed, But of all the choices, I was like, yeah, let's go to Winnipeg, Manitoba, you know, and my agent was just like, oh, yeah, you know, you better stay warm because Winnipeg is cold. They told me that Winnipeg is cold, but they forgot to tell me that Winnipeg is freezing cold. Like <laughs> there's a difference. It's not cold. It's freezing cold. <laughs> you know, so even the first week I arrived, like those are blizzard. And I remember coming out of the airport. And I was like, nope, I'm going back. I oh, am going because there was a blizzard that week, I didn't have a winter coat, I didn't know how to dress warm, I didn't even have a blanket, so yeah.
1: (laughs) Holy crap, where did you stay?
0: First night, thankfully, I stayed in a hotel, and then the second day I moved into the school residence. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I moved into the school residence, like my room was literally just empty. I didn't have no blankets, no sheets, no winter coats. But I had a Chinese neighbor, and I remember asking her for the um, the Wi-Fi password. And then we just started conversing. I was like, "Yeah, I'm new," and she's like, "You know what? Come in, come in." She gave me her a hat she gave me a winter coat she gave me boots she gave me a scarf and gloves she's like keep yourself warm you know just go to the mall get yourself warm stuff and you can return the items whenever you're done but wow. yeah just keep these things for as long as you need them and I was like what
1: <laughs> that's amazing shout out to china girl
0: I know I know I know up until now we're still friends oh, Actually friends yeah. I'm
1: sure I mean <laughs> hey she saved you
0: She did. She did. She did. We're best of friends. She's back in China at the moment. And I miss her so, so much. I hope Mm -hmm. to see her soon.
1: How did you find life in Canada then?
0: It's so different from back home. Um, I had a bit of culture shock initially Mm -hmm. because everybody is so nice and friendly in Manitoba. You know, that's why they call it friendly Manitoba because everyone is so nice. So yeah, coming from a country where you kind of have to be like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, and then you're coming to Winnipeg where everyone is ready to help. Like everyone's like, "Oh my God, you are new. what do you need? Can I take you anywhere? You know, do you want to go for shopping? Do you need food? You know." So I had I had a lot of um, culture shock initially when it came, also with the systems, because Canada is 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 advanced when it comes to technology. You know, so there are a lot of systems that I had to learn. I had to learn about taxes because in Zimbabwe, we don't file our taxes. Um, The procedures, um, how to get an apartment, all that is a whole procedure. Because in Zimbabwe, if you have the money and you like the place, you just go pay for it. You know, like you don't have to apply, wait and get approval. And, you know, (laughs) and also, yeah, yeah. So just adjusting to the system, learning more about the Canadian culture and the food also, um, I didn't have a hard time adjusting to the food because in Zimbabwe, we don't have a lot of traditional foods. So yeah, in my household, like we would have, you could have your hot dogs or pizza or fries or dinner and that's fine. So, so moving here, like I didn't... um. It was, it was like it was not hard to adjust. I actually loved the food. Most of my friends would disagree. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I don't know. They just don't like the food, I guess. But for me personally, I enjoyed it, and I loved seeing and and interacting with people from different cultures. You know, I learned a lot about the African culture. You know, because Africa is so huge. Mm. And- about the Nigerian culture I learned a lot about the Asian culture there's so much uh, cultural uh, exchange programs happening so yeah up until now I'm still learning you know it's endless it it is it is which is
1: beautiful I I agree with you with the culture and learning other cultures that's one thing I love about Canada one thing when I moved here Mm -hmm. I was so excited like you know I'm gonna meet some Jamaicans and you know Africans you know
0: yeah exactly yeah and you get to try out and explore your foods exactly yeah yeah i
1: remember i used to work with this lady and Mm -hmm. this gentleman and they're from zimbabwe and they speak this language that like you know with the tongue
0: oh that's the belly
1: (laughs) every time i dude every time i hear them talk i just shut up and listen because it's so beautiful
0: I know, I know, I know. It has a lot of uh, lots of clicks that like, you know it's so interesting when um when you hear people speak or converse. Yeah, I'm like they're not talking, they're singing. <laughs> yeah, we apparently we get that a lot. Like my friends always say, like whenever I speak in Shauna, they're like, Are you are you are you talking or are you singing? And I'm like, no, guys. <laughs> I'm so you speak the same language? Um, I speak Shauna, I just know a little bit of Ndebele. I'm right. still equally fascinated by the language and the clicks. So whenever I come across my Ndebele friends, I always um, learn one or two words. Uh,
1: it's, it's it's crazy because, you know, like when you're trying to learn English, let's say, you say, you just say like, the boy jumps over the fox, right? Yeah. But with yeah. this language, is you have to like click and clack, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so true. And like different tones. I mean a, a word can have it could be one word, but then the tones can mean eight different things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's you amazing, know? man. So yeah. how did you continue modeling in Canada? Like who connected you to who?
0: Hmm. Um so initially at first when I when I first came I joined a modeling agency and then a year later I moved to another modeling agency but because i work a lot in the arts industry sometimes i connect with people a lot more in person than i do at the agency like sometimes i work hand in hand with clients or when we host events i meet a lot of designers and so most of the times i tend to get my own gigs and then just let the management handle the paperwork side
1: Mm, the boring stuff yeah the boring stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you said yeah. you work with the arts, but you also mentioned that you are an economist. How, wh- mm-hmm. What do you mean by
0: that? So I studied economics in school. Yeah. Yes, studied economics and currently studying di- uh, data analytics as well. Yeah, so yeah.
1: I know you're an actress. Yes. Is that what you mean by like connecting with uh, people?
0: Yes, yes. Yes, because uh, most of the times when you're an acting gig, you work with a lot of, you meet a lot of directors, you meet a lot of um, casting agencies or casting directors sometimes. You work with a lot of people in the hair and makeup department and often you build a bond with those people. So most of the times they could just call you directly or if there's any paperwork that's complicated that needs to be done and then you give it to the agents or... The management and then they handle it mm. yeah
1: which one do you prefer acting or modeling
0: oh that's hard wow um that's hard it's it's like asking me if i have a favorite child Mm. (laughs) i love my babies equally (laughs) of course as you should (laughs) i love them equally i i think they both complement each other so well Mm. because both of them sometimes um um yeah i mean with both it involves being yourself or sometimes exploring yourself yeah exploring your emotions um Just depending on the role when it comes to acting or the outfit when it comes to modeling, mm. yeah, so you explore um you become more aware of yourself, more aware of your body, more aware of your your weaknesses and strength as well
1: obviously, those two gigs you get a lot of rejection, yes, how do you deal with rejection?
0: Um, at first, I mean, at first it was really hard, especially, (laughs) especially the acting side. Mm. Um, yeah, at first it was really hard, um, moving to Canada and then you're this African girl with an African accent. And then this role needs you to switch up your accent and portray an American accent or Southern accent or British accent. So it meant that you had to take dialect classes. You know, so you do face rejection. Yes, uh, you get more no's than yeses, of course. Um, sometimes you could book one role in a year, sometimes one role in two years, and just depends, pretty much. You know, but then you always have to come back to your values, who you are you know, what's your end goal that has to motivate you because a lot of people have given up along the way. You know, they've gotten a lot of nose that they just feel like, oh, the industry is, is, is not for me, you know, and which is normal because it's the arts industry. But just knowing that you, you're not perfect and you're not ice cream, like you're not please everyone (laughs) you know it's the same thing with modeling you can never be too tall too short too light too dark there's always something wrong
1: with you they tell you too dark
0: sometimes i mean sometimes they do sometimes they could be really blunt um But not too long ago, where the designer was like, oh, I needed somebody darker. And the casting director was like, oh, well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's bad.
0: No, I know. I know. And it's so sad that we're still living in such an era, you know. So you're never enough like honestly you know it's either sometimes or you're too tall or you're too short you know but then it also comes back to who you are comes back to you knowing your value and your worth you know taking every no and turning it into years you know telling yourself that they said no but you know what they needed me more than I needed them you know in 10 years time they will reflect back and be like oh shoot we made a mistake you know Mm. we could have Yes, you know, comes back to who you are, what you carry and what your end goal is, you know, that has to keep you motivated. And also having people that you can openly have such conversations with, you know, because it's a very vulnerable industry. So you always have to check in with yourself and check in with other friends as well. Um, Mentally, too, because it can take a mental toll on you, you know, but I'm glad. That I, I have a very strong community of friends that always keep me intact, that push me, fast me, and motivate me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, and also having mentors, I think, is, is so important because there's a people that have walked the journey before. So they understand the struggles that they went through and they can share their story with you. So, you know, some and like often when they share their stories, you more often have an aha moment that hey i'm actually not the only one going through this you know like you went through this wow like yeah it's it's comfort mm. so yeah just knowing who you are what you carry understanding that it's the company's loss and it's not your loss <laughs>
1: <laughs> confidence blind confidence just keep on going
0: exactly exactly if you see yourself as Miss Universe in the next 10 years best believe that company is going to be like oh my word I wish we had worked with that girl if only we knew she was going to be the next Miss Universe you
1: know Mm -hmm. so yeah that's amazing I want to ask you being in Zimbabwe and you're being a celebrity and then you move to Canada and you're like Mm -hmm. the normals Mm -hmm. as they say how did that affect you?
0: um Wow. And because a celebrity, I, I, I don't know if I would label myself as a celebrity. <laughs> well,
1: You're on TV. You know what I mean? Like you're,
0: um, you know what yeah. I mean?
1: Like people recognize uh, you.
0: Yes. Uh, it was really, it was kind of hard simply because in Zimbabwe, I had sort of built a base. I had built a name and a profile for myself and then moving to Canada where nobody knows, you, you know, um, it was it was a lot harder. Like I, It almost felt like I was starting over again, you know, building a portfolio, building connections. Because in Zimbabwe, sometimes you'd get a job because you've worked with a company previously or because they saw or read an article about you and they loved your work and what you stand for. You know, and then just moving to Canada is like, Canada is a lot bigger, you know, and in order for you to become a prominent name in Canada, like you really have to work hard. So that was hard building a profile. I mean, I'm still in the process of building my profile. I don't think that process will never come to an end. You always keep building and keep rebranding and keep evolving.
1: Mm, Beautiful. I want to ask you because obviously I watch... Sorry, go ahead.
0: Sorry. The best part was... Um just knowing that you're in a foreign land where you can do anything and nobody will judge you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that helps too. Yeah, I I see that. I see that. Yeah, you you can be a different person or you can be the person that you always wanted to be but you can't because you know there's so much judgment
0: I know, like I can stand in the middle of the road and dance or scream and like nobody would judge you. <laughs> and like in Zimbabwe, we're, um, there are places that my parents have not allowed me to go to or places where, you know, you probably bump into one or two places or one or two faces that probably know you, people that you know. So now moving into Canada where nobody knows, it was like, oh, my God, I can actually be. I can be out of my shell with no judgment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree for sure. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was going to ask you. Because, you know, I watch shows and movies and whatnot. And I see people in the background, like background actors and actresses. And they pretend they're talking. Are they actually talking? or?
0: (laughs) No, no. Um, So it depends, actually. I know the very first few takes, uh, you kind of have to mime. So you actually don't talk, yeah. But there are times when they need to record the room ambience. So that's when they'll ask you to talk. So when you actually hear, sometimes a lot of people talking, it could actually be the actual voices that, are, that they just recorded. Or sometimes they could edit them. So yeah, it just depends. You do a couple of takes when you're literally miming, and then you do one or two takes when you're actually speaking.
1: Mm, okay. Yeah. What do you like about acting?
0: Why do I like? Um, good question. I love the um hmm. There's so many things I like about acting. I don't know what exactly to start off with. Um firstly, I think being able to be in a different um and a different being able to be in a different character. And another person's shoes, you know, because of acting, they come with different roles that you have to portray. Sometimes you could be a divorced um, mom or you could be a young teenager, different roles. And you kind of have to explore, you know, like look for, um, do your research on what will make you stand out. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I like about acting, like just being in a different space. Like I I love emotional roles. Uh, funny enough i love emotional roles because sometimes even when you're nervous on set but you have an emotional role they'll just assume that oh it's part of your character you know so your voice could be shaky because you're nervous or you're cold, <laughs> but then they're just like oh no it's part of your character she's doing an amazing job <laughs> so yeah emotional roles because growing up i've always been the tough girl you know that no wipe your tears we move mm. and not been able to explore my emotional side much so coming here my acting coach has really done a good job in terms of allowing me to explore those emotions allowing me to put myself in another person's shoes so yeah that's one thing and number two is the hair and makeup process
1: (laughs) such a girl
0: (laughs) i know (laughs) the hair makeup process you know when you get to set and then you sit on the chair you get your hair makeup done you know there's this transformation into the character that you're portraying you know that'll also give you like a boost you know like confidence mm. you know if it's a boss lady type of vibe character you know or it's a gothic role or you know yeah so hair makeup That's the best. And number three would be the food.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You and your food.
0: I know. (laughs) You know what? That food is the most unhealthy food, but I just love it because when you get on set, there's a craft table, and this craft table is open twenty four seven, and it has access to everything from candy to cereal to um, fruits, coffee teas like different stuff also depending on the project like depending on the budget of the movie if it's a big budget movie then best believe you will have like the best stuff of course and if it's a low budget movie you have the okay. and then also during lunch time most movies usually have a buffet and then you also have um, yeah, and then, like, in between takes, you have little snacks coming in, like, they feed you, like, being on set sometimes feels like you're on a feeding scheme, because, like, there's always something, they, they, like, there's those like, when you get to sit, within three hours or four hours, they bring in subs, which is, like, um, that's your coffee or your sandwich or, like, your soup or whatever it is, and then after that, after three or four hours, it's lunchtime, you have a buffet, and then after that, four hours later, you get more um yeah and then you know and and there's also a craft table with so much stuff so there's always something to march on like always always so yeah that's
1: awesome i love that (laughs) i love that i love the food part (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned about emotional i saw some videos of you that you're tearing up you're shedding some tears Mm -hmm. how do you do that
0: <laughs> Good question. Um. Hmm. So sometimes when you really do um, your due diligence in terms of researching more about your character, you tend to feel more like your character instead of yourself. Mm. You tend to put yourself more in the character's shoes instead of yourself. So, yeah, when you put yourself in character, you forget about who Yolanda is sometimes. You forget about what Yolanda likes, and you have to come up with a story about the character that you're portraying. You know, it's like designing a new person, or what does my character like? And you're basing all that on the script. So sometimes it could just be like a one-page script, but you can come up with a backstory for your character. And, yeah, just being able to understand your character Most of the time, most of the times it actually allows you to feel the emotions right away, you know. But also, there are times when if you're failing to connect to your character, or if you have a story that's kind of similar to your character, you can kind of reflect on that story. Like, think of all your sad moments. You know, for example, if you're portraying a character of a lady who lost her baby or her husband. And then in your life, you probably lost somebody who was really dead to you. You can sort of take that or those emotions rather and then put them in your character and kind of, you know, talk to yourself. How did you feel? How would you react and stuff like that? And then before you know it, you're already crying a river. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't think I could do this. <laughs> also... I saw that you're a voice actor as well for the show, Super Striker.
0: Yeah!
1: (laughs) How was that? Like, how did you get that gig?
0: Oh, my story is so interesting. If I tell you that I got rejected three times. (laughs) I auditioned three times.
1: You got Got thick skin.
0: I know, I know. (laughs) Got rejected three times. (laughs) Uh, it was just at a point where I was like, "Oh no, I am done." And then my agent reached out for the last time. He's like, "Hey, Yolanda, so need for this character." And I was like, "Oh no," <laughs> you know. But I was like, "You know what? Let me just give it a shot." Like, you know, usually I try it once, twice, three times. I'm like, Ugh. but the fourth time, I'm like, "Nope, <laughs> I'm done." But with Super Strikers, I was like, "I like." I grew up watching Super Strikers, you know, and I know what it means to a lot of. Um, people in South Africa and Zimbabwe or Africa as a whole who actually grew up watching Super Strikers. I was like, this would be such an amazing opportunity or show to be a part of or to voice. So, yeah, after the fourth edition, I went to the studio, nailed the first character, and the director was like, hmm, I think I'm going to give you a second character. And yes. then you did. Like, oh, maybe third character. But unfortunately, two of my characters had a dialogue together, so... Yeah, that was going to be tricky. (laughs) That's
1: that's awesome. I love it. Did you have to change your accent or anything like that?
0: No. No, I did not have to change my accent. I I love your
1: accent anyway.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I was happy because one of the characters was a new character. So um, I made a backstory based on my own story. And so I originated that character from Zimbabwe.
1: mm, I love that
0: but for the other character i I kind of had to sound really young and energetic, yeah, because my one character is a very old lady and another the one is a very young um very young vibrant woman, so mm. yeah,
1: there's been an outrage on the internet about voice actors voicing characters Mm -hmm. that doesn't reflect what they look like or ethnicity like right Mm -hmm. what's your opinion about that
0: you know what this thing has been going on for um for a while now like i remember when they renewed super strikers the new season actually um one of the characters I was actually telling me about all this that's going on about characters and the representation and stuff like that. And from what you told me that these companies are actually now putting the effort to cast characters that work hand in hand with the voices. So there is actually a huge difference when it comes to the Super Striker season. Eight, yeah, all the characters really reflect the voices behind the characters. So I'm happy that they are taking that approach because that opens more opportunities for people who, um, who are very diverse or come from very diverse backgrounds. You know, like myself, Super Strikers. If it was not for that initiative, you know, I don't think they would have um, they would have picked me you know, that would have gone for maybe somebody else who mm. has more neutral accents and then just ask them to tweak it up here and there. You know, but because of such an amazing initiative, now we have people who look like the characters, who represent the characters. That's yeah.
1: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, with the Black Lives Matter movement, there's mm-hmm. I, I, we see in the media, there has been a lot of change. Yes. Do you think that's, Real change or do you think it's just going to be a fad?
0: I think it's a real change. You know, like the Black Lives uh, Matter movement happened a few years ago. But just recently, I was at a press conference in Manitoba. They recently launched the Black Manitobians Chamber of Commerce. That's run by people of color, but it's also open to other people of color. You know, that's run by black people, sorry, but it's open to other people of color. So we see all these um, movements and growth that's happening in the industry. It's becoming more acceptive of people of color. Because I remember in 2017, when I came to Winnipeg, when I initially, when I started off acting, like they always made sure that they had one or two black people. On set, you know, <laughs> and they would always keep you in a very strategic position because you're the only black person on set, you know. So they try by all means to use you in almost all the shots so that it looks nice. So oftentimes, then, when I was a professional background actor, <laughs> I'd have to carry, or I would be asked to carry different outfits. Just so that it would look like I uh, am different people, and sometimes different hair as well. They would ask, "Oh, you have braids? Do you have a wig? Or can you put a durag on and stuff?" You know,
1: durag on. That's exactly. horrible. <laughs>
0: You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I get what you're trying to say. I'm probably the only black person. So you're trying to make it look like there were 20 of us, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but now there's a huge difference, Um, even also in terms of uh, casting roles as well. Movies also, like I see a lot of, of casting roles that are for black people or people of color, rather You know, I see the industry opening more to even having people of color on set work not only as cast members, but also as crew members. Mm. You know, they're trying to be as inclusive as possible in workplaces, also, they're trying to be inclusive. And it's such an amazing initiative because it's opening opportunities to people, um, people like myself, you know, and it feels good to be heard and to be seen and to be appreciated.
1: Hmm, beautiful. Mm -hmm. We're getting there, but one more question. Sure. When is Talk the Walk going to come back?
0: (laughs) So we've actually been working on season two. Mm. Um, We have been shooting episodes for season two for the past one month. Yeah, it's been almost a month now. We've been in production since, and I'm so excited because... Um, We won't be streaming on YouTube. I mean, we'll still have a few episodes on YouTube, but we're also moving on to a bigger platform, which is Play Africa TV. So Play Africa TV is like um, the African version of Netflix. Mm, That's awesome. It's greatest competition. (laughs) Yeah, so that's where we'll be streaming most of our episodes. And I'm also hoping to be on a local channel here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, you know, with such movements like the BMCC, Um, I'm hoping that we'll have a lot more opportunities and resources readily available for people like myself Mm. who want to know more about businesses Mm. and young people that are doing such an amazing job in the community and just giving them that platform to inspire and to tell their stories to other people. So definitely watch out for season two. Um, I can't tell you when it's going to come out, Mm. but very soon, very soon.
1: I watched on YouTube and they're pretty good, man. I love the Cheryl Holder story. That's pretty good.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, Cheryl uh, Holder story was so amazing. It was so amazing. Up until now, I still get feedback. You know, like a story has inspired a lot of people. It was
1: blowing my mind when she said no to that gig that she's going to get paid $3,000 yeah. per day. And she said, no, I'm like, yo, bro, what's, go- what's wrong with you? No, 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 no. You take that. Forget about Jesus. Jesus will understand.
0: <laughs> you know, like, those are some of the things that you come across in the industry. You know, you come across such offers. Sometimes you come across casting directors who are like, oh, we're going to give you X amounts of money if you show your leg or your thigh or your shoulder or your, you know. But, yeah, just knowing who you are, your value and your principles, you know, like... It's so important. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad that
1: it's coming back because I think you're doing a great thing there.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you're also doing such an amazing job, too. I really love your interviews, love your platforms. And thank you for allowing us to share our stories because, you know, like um, there's a lot that goes on in, in Africa and in Zimbabwe, to be more specific, and other countries, too. And it's important to share our culture with other people so that they are aware of who we are. As people and yeah we join hands and and make like the world a better place for everyone
1: beautiful well said like a true Miss <laughs> Zimbabwe winner you know what I mean they made a mistake that you should have won to be honest
0: don't worry we're not done yet we're, we're not done soon.
1: yet there you go <laughs> I love it anyways Yolanda thank you so much for coming on the podcast I really do appreciate it
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. This was so nice. I enjoyed this this conversation a lot. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Have a good evening.
0: Thank you. Same to you. Bye. Bye.
1: Again, Yolanda, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Erin Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.